Good morning, church. It's an honor to be able to share some thoughts from God's word with you today in this new world of virtual church. Well, here we are 11 weeks into lockdown, and I wonder, are any of us feeling weary? Here's a selection of pictures. Can you relate to feeling weary by any of these? I'm sure that one or two of these pictures has resonated with you in some way, a sense of weariness. And if you can, then, and if you are feeling a bit weary, then Jesus has a beautiful invitation to us all. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, before we dig into this scripture a little bit, it's important that we understand the context of what the original audience, the Jews 2000 years ago, might have become weary from themselves. What was their yoke? Now, a yoke, of course, is a wooden bar that is shaped to fit across the necks of two oxen, enabling them to pull a plow or draw a load together. And by the time the New Testament is written, this phrase is being used figuratively. The yoke of the law, meaning to take on the burden of obeying every command of the Mosaic law. And the yoke, as interpreted by the legalistic Pharisees, is a very heavy burden. Peter calls it a yoke that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Paul calls it a yoke of slavery. So when Jesus says, I will give you rest, he's specifically telling the Jews that by taking his yoke upon them, they will find it light and easy compared to the yoke of the law and that will definitely seem like a rest in comparison. What stands out as I read this passage are Jesus's words, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus asks two things. First, to take his yoke upon us, that is to take Jesus's teachings as the approach to your entire life not just something that we can just pick and choose or we can compartmentalize his teachings and use them at nice neat appropriate times but actually that our whole life is shaped by us walking with Jesus his second statement and the core phrase of this whole passage is to learn from him. He isn't saying that we need to become an expert in the doctrines of Christian theology, nor is he saying that he wants us to memorize every single one of his teachings in the gospels. But those things I'm sure will be very valuable, but instead he's saying, learn from me personally. After all, isn't that what we signed up for as disciples of Jesus? A disciple, remember, is a student. So we've been called to be students of Jesus, 
to learn from him. That is our life, constantly learning from Jesus. But if we're not careful, we can too easily slip into the mode of our Jewish brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago and live a busy religious life missing this amazing invitation to personally learn from Jesus. You see, learning from him is more than just reading our Bibles. It's more than just going to church. Jesus is calling us to himself, to listen and learn directly from him. It is a personal, intimate, individual invitation to listen to his voice and learn from him personally about who we are and the life that he wants us to live. When we engage in such a relationship, we get to ask such questions as, Jesus, what are you personally saying to me? How do I need to grow? What gifts should I cultivate for you to use in your service? How should I react towards people who make my life difficult? Am I living the life you want me to live? Where am I compromising in my faith? And what are you up to in my world? Show me why I'm in this situation. You know, just last week I was talking to a friend of mine and he was telling me how um, his next door neighbor had been writing a journal of the amount of noise that he and his family had been making over the past few months. And it got to a point where the neighbor couldn't take it anymore and he came round to his house, banging on the door, shouting up um, to the noise that was being made. And my, uh, and my friend told me that he was just so mad and so angry, like not the neighbor was, but also that made him, my friend, mad and angry. And, you know, wasn't sure what to do. Perhaps his sinful nature was wanting to, you know, just counter back with verbal abuse or whatever it might have been, whatever might have done. But instead, he and his family decided to pray. So they went out for a walk and they prayed. And after that, it was amazing just to hear how God diffused the whole situation. See, that's what it means to learn from Jesus, to say, hold on, let me stop. What would Jesus do? You know, the, my friend and his next door neighbor had an incredible conversation. Um, my friend decided he was gonna, you know, change some of the things that they were doing and he told his neighbor about it and then the neighbor was all humble and said, no, don't worry, maybe I've been overreacting. And it's just awesome just to hear what happens when we decide what would Jesus do. That's what it means to live this way, that we are constantly engaging with what do you want me to learn, Jesus? And these are the type of examples, those questions that I mentioned earlier. They're the type of questions that a disciple asks when we take on the yoke of Jesus. Now, unfortunately, life at the best of times can be distracting. And I don't know about you, but I think it's amazing that here we are in lockdown. Many of us have find ourselves with excess time on our hands, less places to be, and yet we can still busy ourselves with other things 
or with things other than learning from Jesus. And so today we're going to learn from Jesus by sitting at his feet. In Luke chapter 10, we find the story of Mary and Martha. In verse 38 of Luke 10, it reads, As Jesus and his disciples are on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by, my, by myself? Tell her to come and help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. What's interesting here is that it's Martha who has invited Jesus into her home. And can you imagine how excited she must have been when Jesus said, yes, the son of God coming to my house? I mean, no wonder she's rushing around, making all the preparations, getting everything perfect. We can all relate to that. But unfortunately, it's Martha who is distracted from spending time with Jesus. In contrast, we find Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his teachings. It is she who is told that she has chosen what is better. I think we all wish that we were Mary. If we were in that story, we would want to be Mary, the one sitting at Jesus's feet, listening to his words, just chilling and being in his presence. But unfortunately, we probably have more in common with Martha, distracted. It's interesting that Jesus uses the word distracted because it shows that Martha had every intention of spending time with Jesus, but she chose to allow things to draw her away from spending time with him. And I think that word distract, distracted, is common, or is all too common in many of our lives. What distracts you? What, what draws you away from sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from him? If we're honest, we all fill our lives with stuff that isn't really that important. We too easily are able to fill our lives with just things to keep us occupied, to keep us so busy that it stops us from sitting at the feet of Jesus and just listening. Now, whereas Mary, she prioritized spending time with Jesus and Jesus says she chose what was better. Now that takes intention. That is a choice. It's a decision of priorities to choose what is better. When I discussed with uh, Malcolm, our brother Malcolm Cox, um, what I would be preaching on, he recommended this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's all about slowing down your life so you can listen more to God. And as a free workbook that I'll 
show you here on this slide called How to Unhurry. And it breaks down these five key things that we need in our lives as Christians so that we can listen more to God. And the first two areas are silence and solitude. And the truth is, we all fill our lives with so much noise that it is very hard to hear the voice of God. It is very hard to hear the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And our kids, if we're honest, they're even more bombarded with noise than we are. That they don't even know what it's like just to sit and be still and do nothing but hang out in the presence of God. The other areas are interesting too. Sabbath, and I'll be talking about that in a minute. Simplicity, slowing down our lives so that we can make room for God in our souls and in our fullness of our being. And the goal of this book, and the workbook is really helpful, is to help us to free up space and to, to make time to sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, for our family, my family, at the beginning of lockdown, we had a little family meeting and I said to them, if we look back, if we come to the end or when we come to the end of lockdown and we look back, what would we like to have achieved during this time? And we said things like, you know, done certain hobbies, like maybe learned to play the piano or, you know, practice a skill of some kind. But we all said to spend time with one another and to connect with God on a deeper level. So we decided fairly early on that we were going to have screen free Sundays. So no Xbox for our kids, basically. And so then I read this book and the workbook on Sabbath and I was so convicted, but so liberated as well. And so I spoke with Cherie, my wife, about it. We discussed it with our kids. And so we decided to introduce, introduce Sabbath Sundays into our family. And so what we do is that we, um, on a Sunday morning, everybody puts their electronic devices, their controllers for Xbox into our Sabbath box. Uh, I go out and have a quiet time and a prayer. We have breakfast together. Then there's a prayer of blessing for our family and for the day. Uh, we have church, whether we tune in online or we have our own family service. We have lunch together. We go on bike rides and walks if the weather's nice. We play games together or we just do nothing. In the afternoon, evening, we make dinner together. We eat together, watch a movie together. And then we get our devices back Monday morning. Now, early on, there was some grumbling and complaining but it's my favorite day of the week. Life is so busy. Our souls need a rest. Our soul longs for us just to be still, just to be quiet, to sit at the feet of Jesus. In 3 John verse two, the apostle John asks the church, how is your soul getting along. So many of us are so busy that we need to ask that question, how is my soul doing? 
in the busyness of life. But in order to find the answer, it takes reflection, it takes intention, it requires adjustment. And that can only happen if we make space and time in our lives for that to happen. Think about it. When was the last time you sat doing nothing? No TV, no phone, no distractions, just listening to the voice of Jesus. I am rubbish at just sitting still. I'll think about the, this thing that I need to go and fix, this bit of woodwork that I need to paint or whatever it might be. There's always something that I've got going on in my mind. And so it's really hard. We've got to retrain ourselves to just to sit, do nothing and be in the presence of God. It's a beautiful thing. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you went out for a long extended time of prayer? Just you and the Lord. What a powerful, soul reviving thing that is. Now, unfortunately, as we all know, life isn't always that relaxed. And so we can look at Mary with righteous envy. But the truth is, we can learn from Jesus even when we're busy, because Jesus got busy too. And so not only do we need to grab those times of silence and solitude, but as students, as disciples of Jesus, we've got to grab every moment that we can and learn from him because every moment is a potential teachable moment. And in Mark chapter six, there's another account where Jesus' followers faced a sim similar dilemma to Martha. So in Mark six, verse 12, they, the apostles, went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Verse 30. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus is really concerned, and I love this, he's genuinely concerned that we look after ourselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And he knows that we can't do that without sustenance, rest, and solitude. And so he's the one who says, look, come on, you've worked so hard. You need to eat, you need to rest. Could you imagine how the disciples must have felt? Time away with the Lord by themselves, getting to eat together, be together, relax together. And it says in verse 32, they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. If only Mark chapter six ended there. But unfortunately, things didn't quite work out that way. See, the Bible says they went away in the boat to a desolate place, but they then found it swarming with 5,000 men plus women and children. So instead of the quiet rest, they had another day of ministry. You can just imagine and hear the exasperation in their voices as they asked Jesus at the end of the day, Jesus, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But no, 
Jesus had a different plan. Jesus, we then read, performed one of the most amazing miracles and fed that is fed all of those people, 5,000 men plus women and children with just five loaves and two fish, the feeding of the 5,000. And it was only after doing all of that in verse 45 that Jesus, the Bible says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Looking back at that unexpected busyness with Jesus, when they were expecting a quiet rest, actually, they got something so much better because we're here to learn from Jesus. You see, even though they needed and wanted rest, they got to learn more of Jesus's teachings. They got to learn from Jesus how to pray, especially how to pray for a miracle like that. They got to learn how to serve alongside Jesus as he performed one of the greatest ministries of his earthly ministry. They got to learn the compassion and the love of God from Jesus as he and they fed more than 5,000 people. And to top it all off, when they were out in the boat getting that rest, they got to learn the full extent of the glory of Jesus by seeing him walk on water towards them. They got to experience and see enough in that one day to truly change their lives forever. What a day. You see, we can learn from Jesus even in the midst of chaos, even in the busyness of our lives, providing, providing that he is there with us in the chaos providing that we're willing to seek him and listen to him and learn from him and look out for those teachable moments in the busyness of our day. So in closing, a desire to learn from Jesus is one of our greatest pursuits in life, if not the greatest. But the key for us all has to be to foster an attitude of discipleship to be a constant student of Jesus. If my heart is teachable, if my ears are open to hear his guidance, then I can learn from him by prioritizing that silence and solitude by sitting at his feet, or even in the teachable moments in the midst of a busy life. You see, they're all good. As long as we have the heart and the desire to learn from him, we will find that rest for our souls. Now, I have no idea how long we have left to this lockdown, but God has given us an amazing opportunity, time, space, solitude, to reach out for him, to spend that quality time with him like never before. So how will you look back at this lockdown? What will you want to have achieved? I know what Jesus would say. To take his yoke upon you and to learn from him and to make some life 
adjustments so that your soul will truly find that rest. Thanks for listening. I hope it's helped.